podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report as we look back on a memorable victory for Forrest away at Chelsea. The Reds picked up their first away win of the season with a 1-0 win at Stamford Bridge thanks to Anthony Alanga's goal early in the second half, latching onto a through ball from Tyro Wanyi before slotting a cool finish past Robert Sanchez to give Forrest all three points. Forrest had to work for it though and they were rewarded with a strong defensive display and a hard working display to pick up three points against a Chelsea team who perhaps could have done better on the day themselves but to go and win at Stamford Bridge is a real statement result and one of the most notable results I think Forrest have picked up since their return to the Premier League. It's Stephen here and I've got Tom with me to look back over the game. Tom, will get started with the Forest team news. So despite seven deadline day signings that Forrest made, only one of those was in the squad. That was Nuno Tavares. He was on the bench. But the starting 11 for Forrest, very similar to what we've come to expect over the opening three games of the season with that 3-4-2-1 formation. So Matt Turner in goal, a back three of Joe Worrell, Willie Bolly and Scott McKenna. Across the middle, Serge Aurier, Ryan Yates, Oral Mangala and Ola Aina, Danilo and Gibbs-White in front of them, and then up front, the informed man, Taiwo Awanyi. The bench, Ethan Horvath, Nuno Tavares, Czech Kuyate, Chris Wood, Felipe, Musa Niakate, Anthony Alanga, Gonzalo Montiel and Brandon Aguilera. Now, Forrest made one change from the defeat at Man United last week, an enforced one, because Brennan Johnson is no longer with the club. He completed a deadline day move to Tottenham Hotspur for £47.5 million. So there was no Johnson. He was replaced by Oral Mangala, and Joe Worrell served his one-game suspension that he picked up for his red card against Man United, served that suspension against Burnley in the Cup in midweek. Forest starting life without Brandon Johnson here, Tom. And really, they, they they seem to adapt well, didn't they, to losing such an influential player? Yeah, I've, I mean, I know it's chalk and cheese, but I've been in teams before where, say, on a Sunday morning and your best player is unavailable and you're playing against a team what's probably nearer the league and you're thinking, you know, what we're going to get out of the game today because obviously you've, mass, um, you've missed a... Uh, a huge player for you. Um, but Forrest adapted really well. Um, I mean, after the Burnley game, they would have probably had one training session on the Thursday, then a prep session on the Friday. And then obviously with the intention of Johnson would be included then just before the bus leaves to go down to London, he gets taken away and um, he's, ends up signing for Tottenham. So yeah, with all of that, I think Forrest have adapted really well um, and they stuck to the plan, which... Steve Cooper and his staff have put in place for the game and they're brilliant yesterday, um, every one of them. So, um, And it's nice, um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago um, in the pod where last season was going to places, rolling over, getting their bellies tickled and not even laying a glove on any of these teams. Even Sometimes even the Leicester teams, um, no disrespect to them, were going to West Ham last season and losing 4-0. Leicester, who 
were relegated and and obviously yeah, that poor performance against Leeds at Elland Road back in April. So to go to these places and it's not like we've gone to say no disrespect to him again, but like Luton or places like that, we've actually gone to teams who are going to be hunting down the Champions League um, spots or, or if not the title in terms of Arsenal, Man U and um, Chelsea to probably a lesser extent, probably a bit too early for them, but to go to these places and actually compete, it's it's brilliant for the, the fans who managed to get tickets to actually see us performing against these um, top sides. And that was the first win at Chelsea for 29 years. No, January 1995, the last time that Forrest managed it, uh, with two goals from Stan Collymore now. Granted, Forrest haven't been in the Premier League for a big chunk of that time, but nevertheless, still a fantastic victory. Looking back over the game then, so in that first half, actually, Chelsea started brighter, were on the front foot quickly, and it was Ola Aina who needed to make a, a last-ditch block to deny Raheem Sterling. Balling from Ben Chilwell from the left-hand side, and Sterling looked as if he would be getting on the end of it in front of goal, but Ina came across. He was tracking him and got a really good tackle in to deny Sterling. And after that, Conor Gallagher, he had a shot, curling shot that just flew high and wide of Matt Turner's goal. But then Forrest started to come into the game a bit more and Taiwo Wanyi, who was a menace throughout, the battle between him and Thiago Silva was was great to watch. He was almost in on goal. He had a defender in front of him. He had Morgan Gibbs-White to his left-hand side. Just tried to play him in, but the the pass was blocked and Chelsea went up the other end, but missed an opportunity. And not long after that, a one-year was pulled down by Thiago Silva, challenging for a high ball. And from the resulting free kick, the ball falls to a one-year, but he fires the shot over the bar and, and the chance was missed. Actually, Tom, in that first half, those forest free kicks were causing Chelsea problems, weren't they? Yeah, and, and including sometimes the long throw from Oluaina. Um, so, yeah, one is just the managing. They weren't the biggest side, to be honest. If you look at uh, Chelsea, he pinned himself up against Thiago Silva. Last season, I thought he was one of the best defenders to come to the city ground, um, along with um, Martinez at Man United and uh, Van Dijk. Uh, I thought they were all of them were um, brilliant. Um, but Thiago Silva, I think he's 38 now. But he had a really tough afternoon yesterday with um, Awani. one has been in great form, hasn't he? Since the back end of last season, going into this season, he's been brilliant. And um, yeah, Thiago Silva had a rough ride. Um, and when he did go off, um, Awani, we we thought he was going to go off uh, before um, half-time, to be honest. He was like feeling his fine, I thought. He's going off and even Chris Wood started warming up just before the half-time whistle. But um, like I said, we've got another, what, 25 minutes out of Taiwo. And um, yeah, he brilliant um, he was uh, yesterday. So yeah, Thiago Silva, I don't think he'd have many tough afternoons like that all season because um, yeah, Taiwo is an absolute handful for any defender at the moment. And that battle between Awanyi and Silva continued not long after it was Another Forest free kick. Chelsea didn't clear it very far. It was recycled by Scott McKenna, nodded it back into the box. And a one year with his back to goal held off Silver and fired an, an instinctive effort, trying to almost hook the ball back over his shoulder towards goal. But it went wide. Again, just a, 
an intent from a one year and, and just showing how much of a handful he was being in the game. Between sort of half an hour and, and the end of the first half, not a great deal happened in terms of chances for either team, actually. Nothing really of note, uh, aside from a shot from Enzo Fernandez that went over the bar for Chelsea. But in that first half, even though Forrest hadn't created a great deal of chances themselves, they looked all right, didn't they? they? It felt like they were well in the game and they were keeping Chelsea at arm's length, Tom. What do you think? Yeah, pretty much. I've watched Chelsea twice this season, saw them against West Ham, and I thought they were very good against West Ham. They just haven't got that finishing touch. They just haven't got that striker who's just got that knack of uh, finishing off the chances. I mean, Nicholas Jackson, I know he's quite a a young, I think he's uh, young, um, and obviously over time he might get uh, a bit better in terms of uh, chances and things like that. But I just in, I thought yesterday I didn't want to attempt fate during the game, but I thought they're just not going to score today. You had all the ball, but you can have all the ball. But if you don't do anything with the ball, you're not going to win football matches. And I thought there was people around um, around me who were like breaking it a bit every time uh, Chelsea come forward. But I just thought Forest have got this. And we'll come on to him a bit later. But Joe Wall was um, immense yesterday uh, with Bolly and, and Scott McKennan. And Scott McKennan's probably had a bit of criticism as well as uh, Joe in terms of performances this season, um, especially with Nick Atta being on the bench and Felipe being on the bench. And then obviously Murillo's uh, just signed, um, etc. So um, there's a lot of competition there. But um, yeah, I, I just think at the moment, Chelsea just haven't got that finishing uh, prowess of actually... Uh, finishing chances off. I mean, Sterling's like been brilliant, hasn't he? This uh, this season, he had a bit of a a lull period last year for Chelsea, like everybody did it um, with a Chelsea contingent. But but yeah, I just well, yeah, they they could be still playing now. Wouldn't have scored. And just before half time, a blow for Forest when Danilo pulled up unchallenged on the far right hand side of the pitch. He was chasing a ball. Nobody around him, and it looks like it's his hamstring that's gone. So he pulled up and was replaced by Anthony Alanga in first-half injury time, which turned out to be a pivotal moment in the game, as we'll go on to find out. But 0-0 at half-time, and Forrest looked okay, keeping Chelsea at arm's length, and had given themselves a decent platform to go into the second half and, and try and build on it. And in that opening few minutes of the second half came the Forest goal Tom and it was a mix-up in the Chelsea midfield and Yates and Mangala won the ball back between them for Forest. it comes to Taiwo Wonyi and he fed the ball to Alanga who was making a run through the central striker channel and the finish that Alanga produces is so cool and so calm to slot the ball into the corner the way he did. Talk us through it from your vantage point at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, well, I was on the front row. So you, you sometimes, I've never been a fan of sitting on the front row. I like to be a bit perched so you can actually see the play. And um, sometimes you kind of misjudge where players are and how far the ball is away from the other um, the other end, etc. But yeah, well, mix up in midfield, then Tyro picks it up and... Um, you can just see uh, Alanga just peeling off to the right of him and he plays him in. And I didn't think, I thought he missed it because the ball doesn't actually hit the back of the net. It's, it hits the um, 
the bottom stanchion of the uh, for the box nets, the the metal stanchion frame what goes and it hit that and it comes back out. So I, I thought he's like, oh, is he hit the um, the stanchion what keeps the you know the um, the stanchion pole what keeps the net um, in place and then the celebrating in the corner <laughs> and then it was a bit of a delay then obviously we all started celebrating but I mentioned um, in the last match report um, is it's been a common theme that from the 46th minute when the players come out to the 52nd minute Forest never get um, get go they're very slow out the blocks and like against Sheffield United, they conceded a goal, didn't they, soon after half-time. And I was saying to uh, people around us, I says, Forest need to like carry on what they're doing and obviously um, come out the blocks a lot quicker than they have been doing. And they uh, they did that. And with the goal by Alanga, um, looking back on match of the day and obviously coming back from London last night, and because obviously the YouTube highlights are on uh, pretty quick, aren't they? It's a class finish. He just, he just puts some, um, enough power on it and uh, to our older listeners out there and I'm not comparing the two players but Roberto Baggio used to do that He all, when he scored he used to always just put enough power on it to get it past the goalkeeper and Alanga did that he's obviously opened his body up and uh, curled it into the bottom corner past uh, Robert Sanchez uh, Roger Sanchez is it Robert or Roger? Robert yeah, and uh, Ro- it, Roger was the uh, DJ <laughs> yeah another chance <laughs> And um, yeah, it's a, it's a class finish from Alanga, and um, yeah, I, I think he's a very shrewd buy for us. I mean, mm-hmm. and Manu, um, I don't know the ins and outs of Manu of how they're set up um, behind the scenes, but he seems to have come to Forest and he's had a lot of love from everybody. And it's probably sometimes players just need that a bit of like appreciation and respect and everything. And he's coming at, he's absolutely buzzing. He, he, as soon as he signed his interview, he was like, I want to be here kind of thing. And yeah. it didn't seem like the generic um, response to what you get in an interview. You kind of, it sounded like it come from the heart and everything. And he did his post match interview after the game yesterday. And yeah, it's just a class finish. And I've been very impressed because uh, in the games, what he has played this season is had a massive impact on all, all the games, hasn't he? Yeah. It does feel like he's got the support of the manager and, and everybody around him at the club. And yeah, you get the feeling that at United, he he wasn't getting that so much and he certainly wasn't getting the opportunities to play regularly. So yeah, remains to be seen how that how that will develop now. But the, the early signs are really positive from Anthony Alanga and that was a superb finish in the circumstances. After the goal, Chelsea, as you would expect, came out and, and attacked Forrest and pinned Forrest back. Uh, Willie Bolly needed to make a great last-ditch tackle to deny Jackson. And even though Forrest were doing plenty of defending, they were doing it well. It wasn't like they were holding on and, and struggling and... That back three in particular, Worrell, Bolly and McKenna, all of them were, were playing well. Even Aurier and Ina as wing-backs, they were having a solid game each. And in the midfield, they were competing. Ryan Yates, Mangala, they were all just working so hard to close down Chelsea, to win the ball back and, and defend the lead that they, they'd got. And they'd done it really, really well. 64 minutes, Chris Wood came on for Taiwo Awanyi. So that meant that Awanyi's scoring run was over, but he played a big part in the goal and, and setting that up for Anthony Alanga. Serge Aurier 
a few minutes later, he limped off. I'm not entirely sure if that was just fatigue or if he's picked up a knock. He was replaced by Gonzalo Montiel. And Steve Cooper used this as an opportunity to make three subs. So Czech Cuyate also came on for Oral Mangala. And Nuno Tavares, the deadline day signing, loan signing from Arsenal. He came on for Ola Aina and slotted in at left back to make his Forest debut. But again, it felt like Forest were defending well, Tom. And the even though Chelsea were, were putting pressure on them, they were struggling to create clear-cut chances, weren't they? I don't remember Matt Turner having a save to make. No, and it wasn't like it wasn't desperate defending. It was like good, precise timing, um, positioning. It, it, I mean, they mentioned it on Match of the Day last night. Like I says, it wasn't like um, yeah, it was desperate and. Um, it was just like real size um, positioning and, and reading the game really, really well. I mean, uh, Jay Worrell, I mean, he does get um, criticised because of, of the step-up in class from the last season. He struggled in a few games. He was taken out the side and he come back. And But yesterday, it was nice that um, the, the fans uh, did the chant is one of our own because... He was like granite yesterday, and especially the week what he's had. He got a sending off at um, Man United last week. His uh, father, uh, start that again. Yeah, the week with the week what he's had, he's, he's been absolutely brilliant. He like lost his uncle, um, Sergeant um, Savile, um, in the week regarding what happened um, when he was on duty and everything. And yeah, but to put that performance in yesterday and. And according to Steve Cooper, he's been, uh, he hasn't missed any training sessions and everything. He's been like really professional, which we know Joe's that kind of person anyway. He'll, um, but uh, yeah, he was absolutely brilliant um, yesterday. And uh, even um, when the players were going off and Steve Cooper like, just like, nudged him towards the Forest fans to like take in the appreciation. And yeah, he, I'm, I'm really pleased uh, for Joe. He, like I say, he's had a really, really tough week and he just, um, capped off with an absolute brilliant performance yesterday, and um, yeah, and he captained uh, the side to uh, victory yesterday. And I think he he's obviously felt it because it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? An away when um, we haven't won away since uh, Southampton in January, and um, yeah. and alongside him, uh, another one of our own, uh, Ryan Yates. He was absolutely brilliant yesterday, and um, I don't think we realise how important uh, he is. It, he he will be the first to admit he's not probably the most te- technically gifted player um, that we've got, but he's got balls of steel, hasn't he? And he will put him put his body on the line. There was one where um, I think somebody um, smashed a ball and it hit him, um, it hit him in the head or something like yeah. that. And, and I thought he'll have to go off with a concussion here, but he didn't, did he? So uh, like I says, he's another one who's made out of uh, granite and. Um, yeah, he puts his body on the line and everything. But yeah, defensively yesterday, we, we were sound and everything. And um, yeah, Scott McKenna had a brilliant game yesterday. Willie Bolly uh, had a good game in the two uh, wing-backs, Oliver and Montiel, and then the guys who come on, Tavares. And um, obviously, Aurier had a good game as well. So um, yeah, was, uh, defensively, we're brilliant. And like I said earlier, if uh, Chelsea would be still playing now, they still wouldn't have scored. They did have one big chance before the end and it fell to Jackson inside the six-yard box after Joe Worrell had blocked Raheem Sterling's cross and the ball just dropped back to Jackson in that six-yard box. 
they were I think it was McCannum it might have been Bolly in front of him on the line, but he it was still an opportunity that looked easier to score and he put the ball over the bar. And I think at that point, I know I started to feel that maybe Forrest, this is going to be their day and they are going to get the three points because missing chances like that is costly. And there was another chance later on, in fact, in injury time, and it was Raheem Sterling, who was played in down the right-hand side, hit a low shot, but he dragged it wide of the post. Uh, I think Tavares had put pressure on him sliding in, so that maybe had an effect. But again, an opportunity which on another day you'd expect Sterling to at least hit the target with. But he didn't, and that was the last moment of action of note in the game. And Forrest held on for a 1-0 victory and a brilliant performance, brilliant result for them. And it's worth mentioning throughout as well, the away end was making the noise. It was coming through on the commentary on the TV and the eruption at the end with the final whistle of the away Forest supporters was brilliant. It really was. And and while we've got that away support, it's it's really going to help Forest in games like this where they've got to get results and they're holding on to leads and, and battling away from home. Again, hats off to the, the Forest supporters. Yeah, I mean, we've been up and down the country and we've actually, we've suffered, haven't we? Um, we've got, like, especially last season, we was going to places and getting absolutely mauled by um, teams, even teams at the top and even teams in mid-table and sometimes te- uh, teams who were in and around us at parts of last season, i.e. Uh, away at Leicester and away at um, West Ham and Leeds. So, um, yeah, the... I mean, Steve Cooper mentioned it again, didn't he? Um, that was for the supporters, and they've been they've been like that through the good and bad times. And um, yeah, nobody. The thing with Forest fans going away from home, and I'm I'm very very fortunate of being able to get tickets and go to these uh, matches. Is that there's been a couple of times where it's like the performances haven't been great, but we have like stuck with the um, with the team throughout and everything, and. Um, and we've given them that platform to actually say, well, just carry on what you're doing and everything's going to be okay and everything. So, but, um, but yeah, the, the fans have been absolutely brilliant, um, especially at home, but also away, because obviously it takes a lot of uh, dedication to actually part with the money with everything what's happening in the world at the moment, i.e. Um, living crisis, the train strikes, etc. getting to these places. But um, yeah, not once has the, um, the fans as a whole have turned on the players and that's that's been the, like the glue what's like kept everything together with obviously the players Steve Cooper and the club and everything and I mean there was times last season where Steve Cooper probably was like fearing for his job and and I mean I know he like really appreciates the backing from the fans but I think we kept him in the job at times last season where it looked quite precarious so this season um, yeah we've looked a hell of a lot better and against I mean, when the fixtures come out, was it June time? And you looked at them thinking, Jesus Christ, we've got um, Arsenal, um, Man U and Chelsea, the first three away games of the season. You're looking for is this, uh, the, um, the footballing gods against us um, when those fixtures come out. But um, yeah, we, we've adapted really well, haven't we? I know we didn't win the, or get any points against Arsenal and Man U, but it just put that bit bedrock in place where we can go to these places actually uh, perform and compete rather than just rolling over. Forrest 
they look a different proposition away from home this season. Like you say, that opening run of away fixtures is as tough as you can ask for in the Premier yeah. League. And the way that they've handled it and the performances they've put in, to, they, they put in a good account of themselves at Arsenal. They went two goals up at Man United, at Old Trafford. Yeah, controversial circumstances about the way that United fought back. And then yeah. they've gone to Chelsea now and beaten them on their own patch. It's an easy observation to make, but obviously there's a lot in it, what we don't see um, in terms... Of, so the games what we went to last season, early on, we went to Newcastle, rabbit in headlights. Um, against Man City, we were just absolutely in awe of them and never got near them all, all night. But the fear factor has been eradicated. And I think it started against Liverpool last season. Or, or like, All right, we lost 3-2 at Anfield, but... I think that was the platform thinking, yes, we can go to these places and, and actually um, do something against these uh, teams. And um, yeah, Steve Cooper's mentality and, um, and the, I can do it. One thing with Steve Cooper, ever since, ever since he's joined the club in 2001, he's never made excuses, has he? He's never um, felt, oh, I'm hard done by here. He's actually mm. no, I can do uh, mentality. I don't know whether that's come from because he got mentioned when Tom Cartledge took over as the chair this week at the club, saying, uh, "Why have we got like a it's an okay um, attitude and and everything? It's rather than trying to strive for more." And whether that's been like come from the top yeah. and it's filtered down and everything, and and Marinakis has like said to Cooper, says, "No, you can do this," and and that's obviously um, been transferred to the players in terms of yeah, we can go to these places and actually do something. And I mean. Um, we've got. I know we've got Man City um, to come, haven't we? Then we've got uh, Palace and Liverpool it's after that in October or whatever. So, yeah, I think um, home form is obviously going to be key, but going to these places and actually know that we can do something against these teams, it's um, it's really rewarding and refreshing to see after what happened away from home last season. We'll leave things there for the moment and we'll now go over to Callum, who's got the news roundup for us. Hi, this is Callum with the 1865 News. Um, hope you're all doing well, especially after a very busy weekend. Um, so we'll get straight into it with transfers. Uh, on deadline day, we confirmed seven transfers, but since we last spoke, uh, it was eight altogether. So firstly, we brought in Murillo for 12 million euros from Corinthians, the centre-half. Um, the next day, first one on transfer deadline day, we brought in Nuno Tavares on loan with an option to buy. Um, Nico Dominguez from Bologna in a swap deal for Freuler, which saw Remo Freuler going the other way permanently. We bought in the goalkeeper Flacodimos from Benfica for £7 million. Divock Origi on loan with an option to buy, which is rumoured to be around £4 million. Um, and then Callum Hudson-Odoi came in for £3 million, which could rise to five which is incredible business in my opinion. And then there was Andrew Omo Bamidelli for £11 million from Norwich. Um, Forrest tried for Trevor Chalibur towards the end of the window, but it sounds like he wanted to stay at Chelsea. Um, and then the big one, which was the last big one to be confirmed, was Ibrahim Sangare for £30 million, the most expensive transfer of the window and maybe the most significant signing that Forrest have made in recent times. Um, and then, of course, to fund most of these transfers, we said goodbye to Brennan Johnson for £47.5 million. Um, 
really sad to see him go. I'm sure the guys will speak about that in depth. Um, obviously, Remo Froehler going to Bologna. We had Juan going to Norwich on loan. Lewis O'Brien to Middlesbrough on loan. Loic Embasso left on loan as well. And then Jonathan Panzo went to Cardiff on loan. Um, there was obviously a push for Batshuayi as well, um, but it, he stayed at Fenerbahce and we got Divock Origi instead. Uh, so that's all of the transfers. Uh, other news that we had was Nicholas Randall stepped down as chairman and was replaced by Tom Cartledge. Um, and then Taiwo Awan, you became the third African player in Premier League history to score in seven consecutive games alongside Mo Salah and Emmanuel Adebayor, which is an unbelievable achievement. I know he didn't make it eight games, but he did get an assist in that eighth game. So he is on a roll at the moment. Thank you very much. And I'll be back again with the news soon. Thanks, Callum. So Friday was transfer deadline day. Now, we're not going to spend too much time talking about Forest's deadline day transfers and the business that they conducted, uh, because we'll be doing that in our roundup pod, which we'll have with you during the international break. But a quick rundown of, of the business that Forrest did. So Incomings, Nuno Tavares on a season-long loan from Arsenal with an option to buy. Nicolas Dominguez, a midfielder from Bologna for an undisclosed fee with Remo Freuler going the other way. Callum Hudson-Odoi joining from Chelsea. Odysseus Vlacadimos, the goalkeeper, coming in from Benfica. Divock Origi on a season-long loan from AC Milan. Andrew Ombombadeli from Norwich City, the young Republic of Ireland defender, and the big one, Ibrahim Sangare, signing from PSV Eindhoven for a reported £30 million. And outgoing Slowik and Baso on a season long loan to Almere City, Remo Freuler, as we've mentioned, Jonathan Panzo on loan to Cardiff City, Brennan Johnson to Spurs, and Huang Ujo on a season long loan to Norwich City. So a busy transfer deadline day for Forest with seven new faces coming in. And just briefly, Tom, were you happy, surprised, or concerned with any of the deals that Forest conducted? No, I'm very happy with what's happened. Um I mean there was a lot of noise about Johnson Woody go on deadline day. Um, I think a lot of Forest fans have got to realise our position in the food chain. I mean, even the teams at the top uh, reshuffle the pack, don't they, for FFP reasons. Um, like Chelsea signed quite uh, a few players, but then let a few people, um, a few players go. Um, so we're the same as any other club, really. And I've never had a problem with Forest selling players in the past, but even previous regimes as like Faraz and his merry men selling players pocketing the money and then not replacing that adequately i.e i mean i know he's had um he's had more clubs than uh, nick Faldo, hasn't he uh ollie burke but um yeah when we sold him when he was on that rich vein of form at the start of the um oh was it 16 17 season um when he scored those um, goals against leeds then we replaced him with Nikola Dimitriou, I've not a clue where he is, and a few others. And that's where I've had the problem in the past. But um, yeah, we've we held out all summer 
for um, Brennan Johnson um, of the fee, which was around about 50 million quid. I mean, Brentford uh, tried to scratch around for the pennies and offered only, what, 30, up to 40 million, which obviously didn't hit the value of what Forrest deemed Brennan Johnson to be. So, yeah, we, we had a funny feeling, didn't we, you know, from the middle of the week that um, Tottenham would come in for him. And um, and that's the FFP, because obviously the homegrown is pure profit and everything. It's probably helped us out for the next good few windows now, hasn't it? And having the players in, I mean... I never thought Sangoro was ever going to come to Forest. A bit is like playing. Um, he's going to be playing in the Champions League for PSV and everything. Bayern Munich were potentially sniffing around and and everything. And I was fairly surprised that he was still a PSV player come middle of the week. And and I can't remember who broke the news. I don't know if it's Fabrizio Romano or one of the others who says Forest have got a chance here. And I thought, oh, they're going to put a bid in here, and it's not. He's either going to reject it or. Then, then it got to like eleven o'clock on Friday night, didn't? It? And then I thought I'll, I'll stay up until about quarter to twelve, see if it get, uh, gets confirmed and everything. And it did. And I thought I'll, I'll go to bed. And then the first thing I did on uh, uh, Saturday uh, morning was is Sangara signed, and obviously he'd signed with Divock Origi. And I think it's an absolute brilliant window because, like I says, we're selling uh, Brennan, who's I sincerely hope is he will go to the next step, playing for Spurs now that we've got these players in and it's not just like mediocre because we've got the money, let's just sign anybody. We've actually thought about it and we've done very, very well on deadline day and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing these um, players being integrated in a really good side and kicking on now for the um, for the season ahead. Forest now are not in action for two weeks due to the international break. They return to action against Burnley on September 18th, a Monday night fixture at the city ground. And then they follow that up with an away trip, another nice and easy away trip to Manchester city. And uh, then it's Brentford at home and crystal palace away. Now with the international break, you would think that that gives Steve Cooper the chance to work with some of the new signings and start to integrate them into the team. We only saw the one, feature at Chelsea in, in Nuno Tavares. So do you, do you expect that we'll start to see some of the new faces as soon as the, the Burnley match and, and beyond? I think they'll be drip fed in really because, okay, it's an international break and everything. Um, it's a case of he's not going to see many of the players, is he, in terms of they will go off with their nations and everything and whatever qualifiers they've got and all of that. So I think, yeah, I think they will be drip fed in like substitute appearances from the bench and everything and do it that way unless there's any injuries or suspensions to uh, contend with. So, yeah, I just think it's going to be the first few weeks after the international break, it's going to be what we've seen against Chelsea yesterday, then like uh, drip feed the players in and see what um, transpires after that. And I imagine it will be a very different Forest team to the one that played against Burnley this week in the EFL Cup. And I expect a, a better performance as well in that game. We'll leave it there then. Thank you, Tom. And thank you to Callum for the news roundup. And thank you to you, listener, for joining us. We will be back with you during the international break with our roundup podcast. So if you haven't already, do subscribe to make sure that you don't miss that one. And any of the match reports that we put out this season, of course, we do match reports after every Forest game. 
We will be back with you soon. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network.